You're listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma, and I'm your host, Trish Gloss. Dan Pelosi, aka Grossi Pelosi, on the podcast today. What an incredible conversation. I hesitate to say interview because it really was just a couple of gals dishing about food and life and family and all the things that we love. Dan's from the East Coast, from a very loving, tight-knit family. And he says food and family were like this, intertwined, attached at the hip. He didn't go into a career into food, so to speak, but he says his fiery passion for cooking and all things food never really cooled off. It wasn't until the pandemic, actually 2019, he lost someone very close to him unexpectedly house that he was set to buy, the deal fell through, and he just said he was at a low point. He wanted to take his Instagram and center it around all things food, just kind of a, let's see what happens. Well, what happened was an explosion of grossy Pelosi. Uh, We talk a little bit about where that name came from, never been kissed, you haven't seen the movie, go see it, you'll figure it out. Um, An explosion of grossy Pelosi, people not only fell in love with Dan, his sweet personality, his humor, but they also fell in love with his food and his cooking. What followed from that was merch, uh, a cookbook, Let's Eat, which comes out very soon. And I asked him, what sets you apart from all of these other content producers, all of these other food bloggers and, and foodies out there? It comes down to one word, authenticity. Here's Grossy Pelosi. I feel like... Dan Pelosi, you may be obsessed with me at the end of this. That's always my goal. My goal is to always leave anything being obsessed with someone. And today it's you. I'm a little obsessed with you, I have to say. I'm going to introduce you (laughs) properly, though. Dan Pelosi, you're also known as Grossy Pelosi. And if for those, we can talk about it. But I mean, if you haven't seen Never Been Kissed, first of all, shame on you. But that's where this comes from. I Googled you to do a little research and you're an internet personality. Did you know that? <laughs> I do. I am personality first. So I do. I do very much uh, align with that term. <laughs> um, but I have to say, I fell madly in love with you through Instagram because you're a meatball making meatballs. And I yeah. love capital L-O-V-E love meatballs. All kinds. Give me all the balls all the time. All the Okay, we're getting we're starting strong here, <laughs> right? I mean, well, let's think yeah. about it. They're they're fun to make, they're fun to say, mm-hmm. they're fun to eat. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and they're fun to eat again later when you have leftovers. It's the best. You're making you're making so many that you're gonna have leftovers. All shapes and sizes. I like the big yes. ones, oh. this little small mm-hmm. ones, like right, like all all the shapes all and sizes. Them, all of them are great, and I have all different size ones in my book. So get ready. Oh yes, and you have a yeah. new first cookbook coming out baby's first book it's happening i love it fisher price baby first book let's eat (laughs) i love it i love it i'm so um i'm so excited to chat with you but all my interviews start with where are you from originally waterbury connecticut connecticut but right now Mm -hmm. you're in new york right yes i'm in my apartment in brooklyn right now um but i am born and raised um a connecticut girly and I also saw that you split your time between Brooklyn and upstate New York. You have a yes, house in as upstate. Of the past, yeah, the past month, I just bought a, a house upstate, which is a very sort of like, I've been living in New York for most of my adult life thing where you like dream of having a home outside of the city that you can escape to. And mm. before this all became my full-time job, it was going to be like weekends and holidays. But now, because this is my full-time job and I really just need a kitchen, I can be in that house as much as I want, which is very exciting. So I'm hoping it'll become where I spend most of my time. It's kind of bougie of you. You have two residences. I mean, I have to say that was, you know, I do think about that and I have been working, you know, I'm 41. So I've been a career girl my whole life. So I've been saving, saving, saving for a long time for this. So it's really exciting to be able to make one of my dreams happen after years of putting in the work. So it's cool. Zero shame in that. Um, I was reading yeah. something where uh, you were talking about the year 2019. It was a rough year for you. Yes. Had a house. That deal fell through. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, I, you know, I, I understand that's kind of a privilege. And I'm like, actually, no. Like if you work and you work hard and you save money, there's yeah. nothing wrong saying I want a damn house. I mean, I think like I totally get that. And I think that hard work is absolutely hard work and we earn it. 
I just have been very careful to in the with the state of the world and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The pandemic turned me into an internet personality. And it turned a lot of people upside down and backwards and forwards in ways that are not positive. So I just have always think it's important for all of us to sort of think about the way we frame things and, you know, to be like, oh, I I was buying a house and I lost it and it ruined my life in the middle of a global pandemic. It's just, I just wanted to kind of frame it up that way. And I know that you get that, but I do appreciate you uh, coming from the other angle and sort of saying like, hard work is hard work. And it is. And that's why I'm very proud and... I don't stay quiet about this home. I've turned it into such a fun, fun place to bring people along already, which is so great. So no, for sure. I'm definitely sensitive. I always, I always approach everyone I meet, like you have no idea what's going on. Totally. Right. And so just be, don't be a dick, be nice. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that was part of why I have so many people following me because during the pandemic, I would I kept it really positive mm-hmm. and really sort of like this is a safe space for people who have a hard day. You can come and you can watch me make a sandwich. You can watch me make a stupid joke, and hopefully it helped makes you smile during this weird time. So it got me through, and it got other people through, which is really great. So. It did, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Um, so f- just by visiting your website, family is incredibly important to you. Very. Did you grow? Yeah. And I also feel like food was also important to your family growing up. They're like, they're like linked like this. It's like, when we talk about food and my family, we're talking about the same thing. They don't separate. <laughs> um, um, yes, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. So I'm from South Carolina. So I, like, we just had a vacation where we were all together and all we talked about, all we did was we talked about food, we made food, then we talked about food, yeah. then we made food. Yes. Talking about what's for dinner at breakfast yeah. is sort of the vibe. Absolutely. We, um, I just went to my boyfriend's family reunion and they love food, but they're not, um, they, I had to help them sort of bring the food to the table because when they all get together, there's decisions don't get made the way that yeah. they do in my family. Right. Like we know immediately what we want and then we go do it and we probably have already everything we need in the fridge and the pantry. Sure. And they were just laughing so hard because I was like, after five minutes of conversation and the breakfast table, I'd be like, so we're going to have this for dinner and you're going to go get this and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And they were like, thank God we have you. <laughs> and a lot of that sort of attitude and energy is what I put into the book. It's like decision-making, how to keep it simple. This is, it just doesn't need to be complicated, you know? No. Well, that's the kind of cooking that I grew up with. It was not totally. fancy whatsoever. No. Very few ingredients. Nothing. Yep, Exactly super easy and super delicious and stuff that I always love that my people make my recipes over and over and over again. And that is all I can hope for. Brilliant. You know. Who was the big cook in the family? Oh my gosh. Everybody. Who, was, who wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> um, sorry. Allergies are still um, in me. Um, no my grandfather, Bimpy, who is still alive, he's 101. He's sort of the, the king of the meatball. <laughs> he makes them by the hundreds. Um, huge cook. My dad was a huge cook. My mom, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, everyone, you know, that was, that's sort of like the, if you're, if you're me, not every little chubby Italian boy was like this, but I loved to get dragged around from all my cousins and my aunts at everyone's houses every day, every weekend, every holiday. And I would just sit in the kitchen and just sort of silently watch and take notes and that's how I learned everything that's in this book. I talk about in my biscotti recipes, sort of like hanging out with the ladies after dinner, drinking espresso and eating biscotti while the men were sort of doing their own thing. And I was truly taking notes. Like those women were dishing every piece of information. And those are the moments as a young little gay, a chubby Italian meatball that I just am so grateful for because that's how I learned everything. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Was there certain people in your family that were good at certain things? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think like, you know, my mom was a bit less like bullshit. Like she didn't take shit from anyone. Right. I think my, my grandma Catherine was a bit of a pushover. Bimpy was like the king of the grocery store and the, and the coupon. He didn't get anything <laughs> for like the lowest price possible. Like he would, he got, he would, he would get in his car and drive down an alleyway and do like, bread exchanges with the bread guy in alleyways he would get taken into like the day old section of the grocery store and get all the stuff that was like 
too old to sell. But because Bimpy went through the depression, he was like, that is not too old. Mm -hmm. That's actually exactly how I would eat it. Like everyone and my dad, him and my my Bimpy and my dad would cut coupons every Sunday morning at my dining table while my mom would make us breakfast. And I think my grandma Millie and my mom's mom was really good at making more dramatic food um and everyone just had their own little skill set so yeah. it was just so great you know bimpy sounds a little like the godfather making bread deals <laughs> in a dark alley bimpy um didn't embrace having money the same way the godfather did i feel like the godfather probably spent money and lived luxuriously bimpy's sort of like the penny pinching godfather <laughs> <laughs> so you um you grew up in connecticut though right that's where you're from that's where you grew up yeah yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? I know food was like a big deal, but you didn't yeah, go into I food. Did. No, I didn't. I thought about going into food right around freshman year of high school. And I went to the Culinary Institute of America and I looked at it. And, you know, um, this goes into a bit of my sort of relationship with my body. And it's kind of unfortunate. But my mom made some comment about how one of her coworkers' sons went to culinary school and gained like 30 pounds his first semester And I just was like, that kind of destroyed me. Mm. And I was like, I can't, I can't, because I knew I was gay and I knew that I didn't have a gay body and, or at the time. And I just was like, I can't go to school and get fatter than I already am. So I'm going to switch careers, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, that that is a very loaded statement. Um, But I think you kind of get the gist of it. And so I decided to, you know, take my other huge passion, which was art, I was going to art programs, and I was always doing art classes. And so I was like, I'm gonna go to design school and thought I would be a graphic designer turned out being an architect, and then always cooked my whole life. Um, And everyone always told me I should be a professional food something. But when you're 15 or 18 years into a career in another direction, it's hard to imagine pivoting, right? So, but the pandemic really allowed me to do that in a very big and exciting way. It's been incredible. There were a lot of blessings that came out of that shit turd of a couple sure. of years. There really were. Absolutely. Also Absolutely. the gay bod, how that's so intimidating to me. I look, I mean, I'm just like, I can't, not that I'm a gay man, but I feel like I am a gay man somewhere deep inside. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I couldn't keep up. It's so much work. Oh. Well, I gave up early on um, and realized Actually, I mean, I gave up early on, but I didn't realize um, the power behind that until I was about 30, like early 30s. Um, I've always defiantly had a bigger body. Um, Not always by choice. I did whittle myself down a couple times to be under 200 pounds. And when I tell you I looked like I was on my deathbed, it was just not right for me. Like my body is meant to be bigger Mm -hmm. and curvier. And I slowly realized that I denied a lot of people access to my body who wanted it because I never believed that they actually did. Now that is a shame. It's a huge shame. And I really wish I could, I wish I could go back and fuck all those guys because they (laughs) were hot for me and I had no idea. (laughs) And they've told me it's crazy. It is so crazy how we build our own walls. You know, we really do. And so uh, I joke that I want to go on like a a, te- a high school TED talk for little chubby gay boys and just tell them that there are going to be men out there who are going to love their bellies mm-hmm. and they're going to yeah. be okay. So, yeah. anyways, yeah. yeah, we could. That that I think that's, that's a whole, a whole other, other interview. Whole other Seriously, thing. I it mean, really is, and it's a big part of. I talk about it a lot. If you, but you know, you follow me on Instagram, and I do talk about bodies and body positivity and sort of that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, and but it was kind of so related to food in a lot of ways, unfortunately, because food affects how our body looks and feels sometimes. So it's and uh, anyways, yeah. Well, good. (laughs) Well, good for you. I think it's it takes more it takes more effort and energy to be negative, and especially about Mm -hmm. ourselves. And I think absolutely it's hard. And I feel like the older I'm 43, the older I get, the more comfortable I feel, the more beautiful I feel. Right? Isn't that amazing? Age is just. I love getting older. Mm-hmm. It just, I feel better than ever in terms of my, myself and my body and my acceptance and yeah. who I am. And if, if this, I call it the light, if this light that came on me in the past three years had hit me at 20 or 25 or 30 or 35, no one would have followed me. <laughs> right. Like I have gone through a lot of therapy. I've learned a lot of lessons. I've grown 
And now at 38, 39, 40, 41, I feel like I'm finally ready to sort of like Mm -hmm. be someone that people have their eyes on because I have something to share that's valuable and not destructive or disordered. Yeah, girl, (laughs) preach. Because I I was in the news biz for almost 20 years and quit, left this consistent job, Mm -hmm. right, to do pursue other things. But yeah. I'm like, I'm always thinking I'm too late. Like I got into it too late. And then it's like, no, you got in it at just the right time. Just the right time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel the same way. I'm sort of like, wow, you know, I'm 40 and I feel like I'm just getting started yeah. <laughs> with this career. Um, but because I got into it later, I think that it's moving faster and more intentionally than it would have um, mm-hmm. if I had done it earlier. Like we could make better, smarter Uh, decisions, which sort of, I think, get us further in the long, you know what I mean? So culinary school didn't happen, but what did you decide to do? So I went to Rhode Island School of Design, which is a great school um, in Providence. I studied um, architecture and I spent a semester in Rome, which really awakened a whole uh, sorry, I spent a whole year in Rome. My, My school at the time had a program where they sent you away for a year. And you lived in a building that the school owned and there was a big kitchen, three big kitchens that I sort of took over one of the kitchens. And my, sorry, my life for that whole year was waking up, going to the, um, the Campo de Fiori, which is a huge farmer's market, shopping the market, getting groceries, bringing them home. And then knowing that at 5.30, I would have 10 people in the kitchen and we would all cook together, but I was running the show. And that was really the very first time when I was all alone without some other family member mm-hmm. in the kitchen using all the like grandma, auntie, uncle, bimpy skills of making a beautiful meal come together and making people feel included. And it just opened up a whole other world for me. And when my mom came to visit halfway through the school year, she just was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like you are just owning this kitchen. People are so happy. You're making dinner for everyone, but you're also making other people make dinner for themselves by helping you, it just was like an absolute dream. And I think that's really what I love about what I'm doing right now is I don't cook food for a lot of people unless they're my friends. I like to help people get themselves in the kitchen. And I think there's something really powerful there. Um, I sort of expressly say like, I'm not gonna do like a restaurant or a, you know, right now, maybe, who knows? Maybe someday the the Dan Pelosi restaurant in Las Vegas will premiere, Um, but that's, that's a whole other thing. It's all meatballs. The menu's just all meatballs. Yeah, all meatballs the all the meatball time. Meatball bar. Bimpy's meatball bar. Um, well, while you're doing all of this stuff, did you ever feel in the last? I guess it, it sounds like a couple of decades you were doing other things besides, you know, yeah. food. Did you ever yeah. like maybe I will get into food, or were or were you like I don't oh, want to kill this passion of mine? I, you know, <clears throat> I really wanted to do it I thought it would be so fun and I I because of my sort of the trajectory of my life I became friends with Andy Baragani before he worked at Bon Appetit and then he I think he had just started and Molly Boz married a really good friend of mine and because of that I was and all my my close friends are good cooks and we would go on these big vacations and cook together so beyond my family I surrounded myself with really amazing people and who knew how to cook and I learned a lot from them. When I moved to San Francisco when I was 23, I befriended uh, one of the most famous drag queens in San Francisco, Juanita Moore, who's actually going to join me on my book tour, which I'm so excited about. And we're going to do a little in conversation. But the way that she cooked and entertained and shopped the farmer's market had a huge impact on my life. And so I've always brought people in to further my journey, but I never, um, I never thought I would make a full-time switch. It just, you know, I was... Um, and for better or worse, I, I was making enough money in my old career that I was like, I can't jump. I can't. I just assumed it would be like a huge drop right. in salary. <laughs> um, and I didn't really ha- I don't have professional experience in the kitchen because I'm just a really seasoned home cook. And so no one's going to hire me in a restaurant, right. nor did I want to work in a restaurant. So it was hard to imagine how the pivot would happen. And it happened because people needed someone like me to sort of help them get through a really tough time. And Mm -hmm. I was sort of uniquely positioned to do that because I sort of now lovingly say that I was kind of raised in lockdown. Like we didn't leave the house. We stocked the pantry. We cooked food. We made really comfortable homes. We didn't go out very much, you know? So I know how to stay home and I know how to cook for myself and I know how to be comfortable in my own space. And I was able to use all of those skills 
to help people get through the pandemic. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about that because I know 2019 was a rough year for you. Um, the house, right? The house. Yep. I lost my uncle Phil, who was like my best friend and we, you know, it was completely unexpected and it just really made me realize like I was kind of unhappy, you know, I could have kept going in my previous career and it would have been okay. And I love the people I worked with, but I sort of was just like, I need to figure out something to do that's going to bring potentially bring me some joy and so at my holiday cookie party which was I think the seventh year that I was having it in Mm -hmm. 2019 I looked around the room and this is the party where I invite all my friends and they bring a cookie and we share it on this big table and it's there's a whole thing on my website if you're if people are interested but it was my sort of my favorite day of the year and I was like what's happening today how do I bring this into my life more regularly so I just sort of was like I'm gonna take Instagram which I was like I'm a very socially out there person in terms of Instagram and just social media I was like I'm just gonna try and like focus my Instagram on food see what happens you know stop taking random pictures of flowers or things on the sidewalk or whatever like selfies and (laughs) and start focusing on just creating an account that's really celebrating my passion of food yeah and I was cooking other people's recipes and then actually, um, early in January, Emily Schultz, who used to run the Bon Appetit uh, Instagram account, who was a friend of mine, she was like, you should start taking your recipes and putting them in highlights, which is the worst way to share a recipe in the entire world because you have to like stick your finger down to like whatever, it's hell. But I started doing that and then people started making my recipes. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit. I was a couple scrolls deep with food on my Instagram <laughs> profile. And people thought I was a food account. And so it just took off. And I, because I started working from home, I went from cooking and sharing what I made on the weekends to cooking and sharing what I was making seven days a week, because I was lucky enough to be able to do my old job from home entirely. So I took a lot of my creative energy, a lot of my anxiety, a lot of my being a single man living during the pandemic in New York City. Unfortunately, my roommates had to eat a lot of my food poor guys. Right. Yeah. But um, I sort of just built this brand. And I think something else that I think really brought me and this is why I'm grateful that this happened to me at this point in my life is I have like 18 years of being a marketing creative director mm-hmm. in my so I was in the DMs, people open up to me wildly. And I was able to take everything they wanted for me sharing with me asking for me, and really turn it into sort of like what I was putting back into what I was sharing, right? In a very authentic way. And so it very quickly became a space that really caught on with people. And then within two weeks, I was like, I'm going to make a logo. And then I'm going to make merch. And then I'm going to make a website. And it just felt like, like I've met met with people who've been doing this for 15 years. And they're like, in six months, you were like further along than I was. And that's Mm -hmm. only because not because of my cooking skills, but because of my ability to design, market, brand myself, and understand how to effectively communicate teachable content to people, just all came together. Well, so, sorry, think... I'll let you talk. That was that's a no. mouthful. <laughs> Honey, this is about you. Um, what do you, I think? I had a question here. Like, what did you do different? Yeah. Like, what do you think you did differently than those people who were doing this for like 10, 15 years? And you said yeah. authentic, and I think authenticity. People can see through bullshit. Yeah, that's what I hear. I mean, I can see through bullshit for sure with mm-hmm. other people. And I think that the authenticity, I had no idea that just my life was going to be so interesting to people. I joke with my friends who sat through 10 years of Instagram where I'd be like, okay, you can't eat yet. Wait, wait, the food hit the table. Like, let me take a few pictures. Yeah. Let me get the content. And then I would be like, I have to post it. <laughs> I was much more chaotic before this happened to me. And my friends would be like, can we fucking eat yet? Like, (laughs) you have 2,000 followers. And I was like, I don't care. They need to see this. Like, so my friends were like, you were in like Instagram influencer boot camp for a solid 10 years. And before this happened. (laughs) So that also was, uh, I guess we could call it strategic. I like to say it was strategic now that I can. (laughs) Right. Right. I think... But I also think you were, you know, Sarah Moulton says this. I've interviewed her a couple of times after 9-11. Her. her voice. I can hear her voice. Right. Oh my gosh. She's yeah. like, okay. I just want to hug her. 
Yes. I just want to hug her. After 9-11, we had a conversation, you know, basically there was nothing on TV. Like there was, it was all 9-11 news coverage. Mm -hmm. Food Network started slowly, but surely started putting chefs in cooking shows Mm -hmm. and everyone was drawn to it because it was so comforting. Totally. I think that's what you offered though. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think like that com- that level of comfort and that level of sort of like how to get through this was, I heard it from people all the time. They were just like telling me that I was getting them through the pandemic, which mm-hmm. was really still blows my mind. So. Yeah. Cool. You and the, you and the, what's the, the dude, the tiger King, the tiger guy. Oh, the tiger King. Yeah. Me and the tiger King. We should do a collab. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, it was cool. I mean, and it's part of why I, you know, I realized it was, you know, people started sending me things and then a brand started reaching out to do stuff. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky to have a full-time job. Yeah. Have this second thing that's happening. That's a second full-time job and could eventually someday be my full-time job. It took about a full year before I quit um, my old job. And I just, so then I started selling merch for charity. I just tried to like figure out how to turn it into a way to continue to like better what was happening in the world. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's like the biggest honor ever to be able to have that ability to do it. Well, the so. merchandise you donate to Sage, which is an organization yes. that's known, they're historically known for supporting mm-hmm. LGBTQ plus communities, right? Yes. Yes. Specifically elders. Yeah. So um, LGBT, they're the largest organization that supports LGBTQ elders, which, um, you know, during the pandemic, um, COVID was the second global pandemic for this community. The, they all survived AIDS, right? So if you're an LGBTQ elder right now, that means you survived AIDS, for which sure. is just, I mean, beyond mm-hmm. traumatic, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were just watching their friends die daily. Left and right. Yes. And then now they're elderly and they are faced with this pandemic that calls for you to be isolated. Now, this community is already two times less likely to have a partner and four times less likely to have a child or children. So think about who was supporting our elderly, right? Either your partner or your children were supporting the elderly during the pandemic. So when this hit, Sage went into overdrive and did all virtual programming. And one of the biggest things they did, they did virtual doctor visits, virtual sort of like entertainment, but the biggest thing they did was food delivery services. So I was able to quickly raise money and over the past three years have raised almost $75,000 to donate to Sage through my merch sales and a couple other charity things that I've done to specifically target helping that community, which just is like mind blowing to me you know, really, really, really cool and really special and um, continue, hope to really be able to work with them for the rest of my life and, and help bring, you know, visibility to the, cause it's just, it's such a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a sad, it's not sad. It's a powerful community that often gets overlooked. <laughs> right. right. Well, I think elders, yeah, elders in general, um, and I've always said this, it absolutely kills me to think about, we get really hot temperatures here in Southern Oregon and these are shut-ins. They don't, they can't leave, right? They're disabled or whatever. And like food food delivery or visits, like Mm -hmm. all of this is so incredibly huge to this population. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I mean, I have my grandfather who's 101. Right. And he, when my uncle passed away, became he started he's living alone and my dad visits him every day so he doesn't he's not truly alone but you know I think about him I think about my uncle who passed away and it just became like such a a strong clear thing that I needed to support so wait so you're in southern Oregon where Medford okay yeah I lived in Portland for like a quick three years between North. I noticed your um that's one of your stops Yes, I'm coming Portland. to Portland. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah Portland is such a great uh, food city. It's just amazing. Well, all I did when I was there was eat mm-hmm. because I was not doing much else. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Good. I, I was. <laughs> Good for you. I was, uh, yeah. But let's, yeah uh, let's talk about this cookbook. It's called Let's yes. Eat. Let's um, Eat. Super excited for you. 
you know, and I, I think this kind of rolls into everything you've been talking about with branding and marketing, the merch. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the natural next step was a cookbook. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've always thought a cookbook would come out of me. I thought it might be printed at Kinko's and it might be like 10 recipes. Um, but I was a like, binder. I will, yeah, like the spiral bound, yeah. which I would love because I do love a spiral bound cookbook. Same. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's all part of sort of like just the fact that I for years was building other people's brands, um, was able to really quickly put together something that was really powerful. Um, and I got a book agent in November of 2020 and um, started thinking seriously about what a book would look like. And in August of 2021 was approached by a publisher. My agent was approached by a publisher. I was trying to write a, a proposal, which is what you normally do. You normally write a proposal, shop it around. But I was approached by this publisher and just offer I couldn't refuse and just kind of went for it. So I got kind of a jump start and was able to, um, it takes two years from deal to yeah. book for the book to come out and was able to really surround myself with incredible people who supported me in making this book because I certainly am not someone who can write a cookbook alone at this point in my life. <laughs> um, but I was able to bring together, you know, like I've always done my whole life as a creative director bring together a team. I had, you know, a really strong vision. I had, I knew what all the recipes I wanted to be and just made what I think is just such a cool mm. book. And I'm so excited. Like, I can't wait for people to get their hands on it. Everyone who's gotten their hands on it so far has just been so happy. And that just is all I want. So perfect. Are you um, a recipe follower or do you cook from the hip? Um, I, when I'm alone in my apartment, I never follow recipes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, for my whole life, have always just cooked from the hip. And so that was kind of what, what I do now is try and figure out measurements for my cook from the hip. So hard. Um, which is really hard to retroactively do. Um, I will say like <clears throat> on big holidays, like I spend so much of late October and November, like making Thanksgiving food of my own to like push out to people. So on Thanksgiving, on Christmas, I love like my favorite thing to do and my favorite way to relax is to pull a pull a couple of recipes and just follow them. Oh. Because if I can follow someone else's recipe and not have to think about the development of it, it is yeah. now the most soothing thing for my brain. So um, oftentimes over like Christmas break, I will cook, you know, t- a bunch of recipes I have bookmarked that I've been waiting to cook for you nice. know six months. So it's just such a break for me to do that. And I also obviously learned so much. And also I love cooking from other cultures, um, mm-hmm. which is great. And obviously I, I do that following <laughs> unless it's American or Italian American or Portuguese. I don't know shit about. Dude. It yes. It's so difficult. Yeah. Like the Asian recipes. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Or I Indian don't... food I love. And it's just like, I'm like, give me all your knowledge. I yeah. would love to, you know, so it's great. I'm obsessed with recipes like that because, and I follow yeah. them so closely because I don't oh know gosh, shit yeah. about Asian cooking. Yeah. I'm not freestyling on no. um, the Mapo <laughs> tofu recipe. Fish, fish sauce. It's like, oh, just a little, yeah. just a half a cup actually, of fish sauce will work. Actually, my boyfriend, Gus, he cooks a lot. Um, and when he does, he follows good recipes and he loves to make like larb lettuce wraps and he loves mm. to make Indian food. Like he cooks so much. And I always like kind of hang out and, watch while he does and it's just really fun do you feel like i'm a big woo woo universe made this happen kind of person do you feel like all these things falling into place right the the grossy pelosi Uh the cookbook the merch the house the boyfriend like all this stuff is just like it was like boom boom falling into place for you yeah it really is overwhelming i like yeah i feel really um blessed and I feel very um I don't want to say lucky but I do feel lucky and it's not lucky like where did this come from I'm so lucky like I won the lottery I just feel like (laughs) lucky to have (laughs) like I feel lucky in the sense that like I have a platform and I know what to do with it I feel lucky in the sense that like I have a skill and people are interested in it I feel lucky that people say good morning back to me in the mirror post when I say good morning on my Instagram like those are all really things that feel very like lucky and deserved at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
So, and I think, you know, it's not, it's not a day goes by that I don't realize like that this could all disappear. And, you know, I'm just embracing and doing everything I possibly can with it in the moment. And people are just so happy for me. It's crazy. I bought this house and I was so, you know, I, I, I'm just a regular girl who's worked hard her whole life. And so I was so nervous when I bought a home that people were going to be like, well, fuck this rich bitch. Bye. You know? <laughs> And I'm not rich. I've just saved a ton of money. I've worked really hard and I've built this brand and it's been really great for me. And people, every, I've never gotten more DMs in my life. I've never gotten more comments. Every single person was like, I am so proud of you. Like you absolutely deserve this. And I just was like, I can't believe that you guys are so amazing. Know. You know, and maybe the people who were like, fuck this bitch didn't say it to me, <laughs> which is great because I don't want you to like no. say that to you. Text your friend. Go away. I don't care. Yeah. Like whatever. I mean, whatever. I, people, I'm sure people are talking shit about me left and right behind the scenes. And that's where the talking shit should happen. So, um, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's just really, really um, sweet and amazing. And every day I'm just sort of like, wow, 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 wow. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's also, it's validation, right? It's validation that you're doing, you're, you are mm -hmm. where you should be. Um, but I also think, again, it goes back to authenticity and people are pulling for you and you're yeah. real. You're not, you're not faking it, right? You're not like yeah. everything you're doing yeah. is very authentic. It's very real. And so they're pulling for you. Yeah. I think, I hope they feel that way. It is. I mean, I don't, I'm very bad at faking things. Like you can see it in mm -hmm. my face. Like it's mm -hmm. been a fault of my whole life. So, um, and I'm so, you know, I think I'm very clear about who should be with me and who shouldn't I state my boundaries and I sort of say like if this isn't where you want to be I don't need you to be here and I think a lot of people who are putting content out are putting out content to gain followers and they just want to yeah. have a million followers and they'll do whatever and I just like I, if my 140,000 people if most of those people know why they're there then that's a win for me you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah and I've noticed that too just with you know trying to grow my own social media pages I'm just very deliberate and what I do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. at the end of the day, if, if I'm, you know, if I have 3000 followers and that's all that I'm yeah. ever going to have, yeah. I've gained, I've earned every single one of those. Absolutely. And that's all that people who want to, when you go to monetize your social, which is something that everyone should have the privilege of doing, yeah. people care about your engagement. They care about mm -hmm. the quality of the followers, not the quantity. So that said, I'm so happy for everyone who has all of their followers, however they get them. Right. Bless you. I'm not like, yeah. if you have a million followers, good, go for it. Like, yeah. I'm so happy. And I hope to have that too someday. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think know. it's, you know, I, I try not to compare myself. And, totally. It's um, hard though. It, pff, tell me about oh it. Yeah, gosh. it's super no. tough. And there's a gal who I, I was mean, interviewing a while back. Cause I struggle with that whole comparison. And she just mm -hmm. said, listen, if she can get that success, you can too. Totally. Right. We all can. hundred yeah. percent. I have people who have been following me for two, like whatever, three years now. And some of them have been, there's this one girl, Alex Borland, who is just my number one. Like she makes my recipes and posts them. And she makes these beautiful videos. Like, I'm like, you make the most beautiful videos. And she has now, she, I think she's at like almost 40,000 followers and she's like getting brand deals. And I'm like, let's like, go, like, this is amazing. Like, I'm so Alex. happy for you. Oh, you know, like, there's, it's just so nice to like, if we can all raise each other up, then yep. that's like, that's yeah. the goal. Like, I'm like, girl, get more followers than I have. Like, let's yeah. do this. Like, you know, like, let's support each other. So it's cool. Yes, I absolutely believe that. I had a friend, I made grilled cheese and tomato soup on Instagram. And she said she was walking through the store watching yeah. my Instagram. Yeah, and then she bought the stuff. I know. Yeah. And I was like, oh my the gosh, best. you just made my whole year by saying Oh, that. yeah. It's the best. I mean, I post a recipe and people two seconds later are like, I made this too. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, the best thing that's happened to me in the past three years is at Christmas two years ago, I shared my peanut butter, um, I call them peanut butter blossoms, but like the peanut butter cookie with the Hershey kiss mm -hmm. in the middle. They were my aunt Marilyn's recipe and she actually passed away during COVID, which was like so devastating. Um, but I shared her recipe and someone messaged me and said, Grossi, 
my grandmother used to make this recipe or my whole life and my family has been so sad that we don't have her recipe and I made your recipe for my family and we all decided that your recipe is now grandma's recipe and I was just like good like goodbye like that's it you know like that like that is that like I'm I'm good like that's all I want uh-huh. like don't even mention my name again yeah. just take that recipe call it grandma's recipe and we have accomplished and what we need to accomplish there's nothing like having someone tell you you were the inspiration that I made this mac and cheese for Thanksgiving and you're just totally. like oh my gosh really yeah yeah the amount of kids I get pictures of kids parents who are like I have the fussiest little kid and he will not eat anything but he is covered head to toe in your vodka sauce it's the best thing ever the kids are obsessed with my vodka sauce and parents cover broccoli and peas and all kinds of vegetables in it and they just it's this I get kids there was this kid Gus does his voice really good but he he like said my name with like a little kid like lisp. It was like like grossy Pelosi. Like he just was like so cute. And oh. parents like send me videos of their kids like saying my name. It's I'm like a family name. It's or a, a, not a family. Name. I'm like a I know name in people's houses. Like they're like saying my your name household really... name, grossy Pelosi. Household name. That was what I was trying to say. Yeah, not a family. That feels name. good. It's just so fun. And I think it's like, you know, that's like, it goes back to the sort of like, we make your vodka sauce once a week or like we make your lasagna every Christmas now. It's just like, that's, Mm. that's all I want. Like my family made the same, you know, we made a lot of the same things over and over again. We weren't like doing three new recipes a week. Like we were eating our classics and that's what I, that's the pace that I roll at. And that's what I want to do. Like I talk about the same recipes over and over again. And it's just fun. It's just sort of like really I don't know. And I hope that a lot of the, the recipes in this book become classics for people. There's some really good ones. And also I've made sure to include um, going back to that sort of marketing research lens that I have mm-hmm. sort of been using my whole career. The book is written for to answer the questions I've been receiving on repeat for the past three years. Nice. Um, and that was really incredible when I went to sort of build out what the book should be. I was like, I have to answer mm-hmm. all of these FAQs in this book because I want this book to be on your counter and I want the pages to be folded over. I want you to tear out, tear out a page and hang it on your refrigerator, like whatever you need to do. There's like 13 or 14 grossy guides. You've seen the book, right? You got yep. the galley? Yeah. Okay, great. So all those guides, every chapter starts with a guide yep. and it kind of sets you up to cook the whole chapter um, or a specific sort of like type of food in a way that I think is really helpful. So I'm hoping those become sort of like really frequently used, you know, like how to roast every vegetable or right. how to roast every, cook every meat and fish or how to cook eggs four ways. Like those are just sort of like the things that people ask me constantly. Yeah. So. Well, I love that. And it's so funny because I do try and think of new things that I want to cook, but I always go back to kind of the things that I just love, the classics. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned we were on vacation and my family, the first night we made fried chicken, butter beans and rice. We had corn, Mm -hmm. cream corn, mac and cheese. And it just, that meal blew away everything else. Yeah, of course. Wait, can we talk about butter beans and rice? Butter beans are the big beans, right? So my Southern accent is going to come out. Butter beans are, my uncle grows butter beans. And so they're just like, they're about like that. They're small. Mm-hmm. They're similar cool. to like a lima bean, but butter okay. beans have way more flavor. Yeah, because I feel like I use butter beans. They can them, right? Yeah, I've seen butter beans canned. Yeah, because I used to make like a butter bean and cabbage thing. Mm-hmm. Make that again. But, oh my god, beans and rice oh, in any form, dude. Yes, yes. But butter beans, oh, butter beans, and they cook them with a ham hock usually just yes. white rice fried chicken and okra we had okra too oh my gosh where did you go on vacation we went to north carolina lake wiley we usually go to lake lure but okay. um just yeah they're all from south carolina my grandma was a very a big influence in all of us cooking she was a farmer Ooh. and a cook and so yeah amazing how did you end up in oregon i moved to las vegas when i was 16 everybody Every, every time I tell someone in this, they're like, why'd you go to Vegas? And I'm like, I wasn't like a stripper in Las Vegas. My parents <laughs> moved to Vegas and I lived with them. So I went too. And then I went to school yeah. in Reno and then moved up to Medford. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, but 
Southern cooking, you know, that's really what I crave now because it's the recipes, it's the food of us. It tells the story of us, of our family. And so that's really what I crave. So when we make, when we get together and we make those super simple dishes, super simple. Yeah, yeah. That's the best. Yes. That's the best. Um, that's, you know, I divided my book. There's a section that's like, you know, kind of like what to cook and when you want to cook it. And there's a few, there's a few like all day Sunday simmering on the stove which recipes, I love, which, I, which love. I love. And I think you need to have those. And there's some sort of like overnighters, but the majority of the recipes are pretty quick and easy, yeah. which is how I cook. You know, it's like, there's like, I think there's like what to cook on a Wednesday night or what to make all day Sunday or like, I, I, I'm lazy. I don't feel like cooking. Like here's the recipes for you. So I really... <laughs> I want to point people in the right direction. You know? So what's in the cookbook? Like what, what are some of the highlights? <clears throat> okay. So there's 10 chapters. Okay. Um, I'll go through it quick. The egg chapter for me is a lot of how to entertain people for breakfast. How do you make eggs for a crowd, which I think is really challenging for people. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that there was a lot of sort of like, I'm having people over for brunch. How can I, um, you know, use some eggs and eggs used to be affordable. So I thought it would be a really great accessibility play, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, cause if you can get a dozen eggs, you can feed a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, so there's that. Um, and then there is a appetizer section, um, and about five of the recipes in that chapter use the same batter for frying, Ugh. um, which is great. I love the idea of like learning one mm-hmm. hero recipe and being able to make multiple things out of it. Um, then there's a vegetable chapter, which is so funny because I joke that there's like one salad in the book, um, but you can make four different salads from that salad. Nice. Um, there's a more than that, but um, <laughs> there's a vegetable chapter. And then there is, um, there's two chapters in the book that are based on hero recipes. My pizza dough, homemade pizza dough mm-hmm. and homemade marinara sauce. And I have a guide to both of those. So it tells you like how to work with yeast. Like, how are you storing it? Can you freeze pizza dough? Like, what are the best practices for making pizza dough at home? And I also say, you know what? All these things work with pizza dough from the pizza shop. So you can go ahead and just buy pizza dough. And then you go in and you could make eight recipes from that dough. And they're all different things. There's calzones, there's pizza, there's cinnamon rolls. There's, um, I don't know, there's all kinds of focaccia. Because I want like mom, dad, anyone, babysitter to have their go-to pizza recipe. And then they can make all these things. So you're not learning a million new recipes, right? And then same thing with marinara. Here's my marinara sauce. Here's how to pick your tomatoes. What kind of garlic? Here's my garlic bread recipe. You could freeze it. You could put it in the fridge. Then there's all these recipes that you can make with it, right? Here's the six recipes, seven, I think. And then we have pasta, which is the biggest chapter in the book. There's like 15 recipes and there's meat and fish and then there's dessert. So it's pretty straightforward. It's a lot of Mm -hmm. classics, a lot of my family recipes, um, and then in the middle, there's a one chapter recipe, which is the big Italian sandwich, which is my favorite as- sandwich. It, I say that it serves one to six people, depending on who you are. And it also has a little secret section that tells you a bunch of sandwiches you could make from leftovers of all the recipes in the book. Because I believe that all leftovers are going to become a sandwich. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Um. I do want to wrap up a little bit. I I have like a bazillion questions. So I just want you to come back. Yeah. Well, we can schedule a part two. Just a part two. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Um, Before I get to the final three, though, what's in your meatball? The classic meatball. Okay. So I do do breadcrumbs, eggs, Parmesan, fresh mint, fresh basil. Um, I do uh, beef and pork and then I do raisins which is very controversial but I believe that the raisin which is a a, by the way a traditional um thing it's um Sicilian they do raisins and pine nuts I don't love pine nuts in my meatball but you could also add them or you could take the raisins out and they're still really good meatballs but I love that little juicy burst of sweetness in the savory meatball in the ball in it and when they soak in the sauce, because you obviously cook them in the sauce, yeah. it makes everything sweeter. It's so good. Raisins. Interesting. And mint. Raisins and mint. Mint is a big herb for me. You'll find it in my lasagna. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's a, it's really good savory. Uh, it's taken a lot of convincing people 
to use mint. Yeah. They're like, is it going to taste like toothpaste? I'm like, that is not mint. No. There is not fresh mint in your toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> is this Bimpy's recipe? You know, the meatball recipe is not Bimpy's recipe. It's inspired. Bimpy always put meatball, um, put raisins in his meatballs. But over the years, I've sort of taken the 10 meatball recipes I've grown up with and turned them into like nice. my version of the meatball. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with marinara and everything else. So, yeah. Um, I love Bimpy, by the way. I just want to smooch him. I just want to hug him and smooch you him. See the dedication page. I mean, like, yeah. I can't. Yeah. He's such an angel. He's he is. so cute. Um, all right, let's get to the final three. Yeah. Best advice you've ever been given. Oh my gosh. The best advice I've ever been given. I don't know directly what the best advice I've ever been given is. Oh, I know what it is. Okay. So someone told me a long time ago to not worry about your weaknesses, but just focus on your strengths because if you continue to focus on what you're really good at, your weaknesses will fall to the wayside. Not everyone has to be good at everything, but become really good at a few things, and then you'll really have some power. That's good. Yeah. That's real good advice. Who gave that to you? I think, like, I think someone in college, an art school teacher okay. in college. It's good. You know, when I, because I, I'm not like, I can't like draw your portrait. You know what I mean? <laughs> But my teacher was like, so what if you can't draw your portrait? Right. He was like, someday you're going to be designing yeah. William Sonoma stores. And but he you're good saw at this that and in this me. and this. Yeah. And that, he literally said that. And I ended up designing retail stores for years, you know? So amazing. Uh, yeah. What's your happy place? Um, I think it's like, you know, I think for me right now, it's in either one of my kitchens. And it's currently with my boyfriend, mm-hmm. just cooking and hanging out and with our families. I mean, boring but kind of nice to know that that's nope. what makes me happy nope yeah. not at all not boring and he's a cutie yeah. by the way um oh my gosh. yeah adorable uh in all things him, i threw him out of the apartment for this interview by the way oh <laughs> dang it okay well tell him i said hi um in all things food and drink what do you crave um i think i crave um salty savory mm-hmm everything i like that i like sweet i'm not like a big huge dessert person i do enjoy it but i nine times out of ten i want like cheese on top of cheese with some salt and some meat and some bread but like if you were like kind of on your deathbed is it the italian sandwich it would definitely i think uh no it would have to be pasta but i need like a rigatoni like when you get the two sides of the rigatoni that come together and you bite it and you break through both of those chubby ass chunks of the rigatoni and there's like a really good sauce to me that like mouthfeel on your tooth like yeah rest in peace that's it I'm good. <laughs> chubby ass rigatoni or pockery pockery is you know what pockery is yeah. it's like huge like that's pockery is it like oh my gosh i love it well grossy pelosi dan pelosi you've been so much fun thank you for doing this Thank you. Just so really fun. quickly, you have a website. It has recipes, yeah. guides, videos. Your cookbook, Let's yeah. Eat, is coming out. Follow follow on Instagram because you post Please. so much fun stuff. And I just think you are beautiful inside and out. And I just feel Please. like if I lived in Brooklyn, we would be best friends forever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And hopefully if you come to Portland for my book tour, you got to let me know because we are going to make out. I'm th- I'm thinking about it. Hot okay. and heavy sesh. Hot okay. And heavy. We'll have to like find a private room. <laughs> With pockery. Meet you in some pockery. <laughs> That's just pornographic and dirty. It is. Um, it is. Thank you it so much that. for your time. It's been a blast. Thank you. Such a dream. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Glose. You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.